With $50,000 in loans from friends and family, Ken Grossman and Paul Camusi rented a 3,000-square-foot warehouse in 1979. They pieced together discarded dairy equipment and scrapyard metal to create brewing equipment. They were later able to acquire second-hand copper brewing kettles from Germany and created their first batch of beer, brewed on-premises, a pale ale, in November 1980. Um, Shortly thereafter, they were able to found a company based on Ken Grossman's favorite place to hike, the mountains of Sierra Nevada. Today on the show, the boys drink a Sierra Nevada Torpedo Extra IPA. My These mouth fresh from the store, out. too, Joe. But uh, the walk up here warmed them up a little bit. You were complaining about the heat earlier. Hey, let's. we're going to do 20 minutes or so on the heat wave we've had out here. In <laughs> we got a good 20 minutes, Pacific chunk. Northwest. Hey, cheers, buddy. Cheers. Sierra Nevada. Torpedo. Nevada or Nevada? Are you a Nevada? I'm a Nevada? Nevada guy through and through. Yeah, me too. Hey, Cold Cans Nation, let us know. Is it Nevada or Nevada? I think any sensible person Hashtag. saying Nevada. I wonder if there is, I'm ah, sure there's a preferred. Or hashtag, ah. <laughs> yeah, and make sure phonetically you all do that consistently with your hashtags. We won't mm. be able to aggregate them correctly. Yeah, it's all about data. What's your initial thoughts on this extra IPA? I'm not a fan of these types of beers. No? No. I'm I'm usually not a fan when something's that hoppy, um, but this, I don't know. I, I, it's even a little bit warm, but it's not giving me the dryness that, I usually, I, I'm kind of with you. I, I don't mind IPAs, but I don't like fawn over them. And this one isn't too overbearing or overwhelming. It's not It's not as bad as I would expect for something that says extra IPA on it. Like I would never purchase this in a store. It, we should probably, we should touch on, jump right in and touch on why they consider this an extra IPA. Hey, why would they consider this an extra IPA? Let me tell you why they would consider this an extra IPA. It's whole hops the whole time, Nick Patry. Mm. Um, so... Here's what they do. Traditional dry hopping. It's it's patry. Listeners chime in on whether it's an ah or an eh. Um, So traditional dry hopping refers to the addition of whole cone hops to fermentation tanks. So basically what they do is they take a big nylon sack and they suspend it into a... You have something to say? No, please continue. They take a big nylon sack. they, They stuff it with whole cone hops and they suspend it into a tank. And then they soak that. They soak the sack, and uh, eventually they pull it out, and that's kind of the beer sort of passes through those hops, and that's that's dry hopping apparently. Well, here's what these fuckers do at at, tor- at Sierra Nevada when they're brewing their torpedo. Do they do it a little bit differently? They do. They're a little bit twisted. <laughs> they're a little unique over there. So they take it out and they go, sure as shit, half the hops in the middle of this sack, this big sack that we've been soaking. Hashtag total sack drainer. <laughs> So they drain it, and they open the sack, and and the hops in the middle are completely dry. So beer never even touched them. That's no good. We're wasting money on hops. They say, bullshit, and they go, "Um, there's a better way. And what they do is 10 years ago, 
and hopefully the websites, apparently they update that every year. Every single year, <laughs> they make a note. Oh, reminder. Why would they do that? So, they give their wife a kiss on New Year's <laughs> Eve, and then they go to their website. Sorry, I need to go to Squarespace, because <laughs> it's 11 years ago. So here's what they write. Nearly 10 years ago, an idea was sketched in a bar that changed the way, they changed the very fabric of how oh, Sierra wow. Nevada dry hops. So in 2009, so maybe they bought themselves some time. They later added the date. Um, they invented something called the hop torpedo. So this is a stainless steel device packed with whole cone hops, much like the sack technology. Um, that and, we just mentioned. And they seal it against pressure. And then they circulate beer sort of in and out of that fermenter mm. so that it touches the hops more, thus making this an extra IPA unique to the torpedo hop invention, torpedo hop technology, and creating this beer. Speaking of torpedo technology, have you seen this North Korea stuff in the news, Joe? Hey, whoa. This show's not political. They're buzzing Japan with missiles that are breaking apart in Put one air. in the ear hole if they get too close. <laughs> Gosh. Uh, yeah, back to the beer. Um, that, that's interesting. They're innovating in, in some way. So the innovation seems to stem from the very foundation of their company. As I talked about at the top mm. of the show, mm. they pieced together discarded dairy equipment. They quite literally made a dairy mill. <laughs> they <laughs> took it to, to the, the dairy, dairy mill. mill. And, and if you don't have a dairy mill, I'm going to make my own. <laughs> so they pieced together dairy equipment and scrapyard metal to create their first iteration of brewing equipment. And then later, yeah, acquired secondhand copper brewing kettles from Germany. So these guys were just kind of out there, for lack of a better term, hustling their way to grinding. making the beer they make. Just on that grind. On that 10 to 2 grind <laughs> every day. Um, no, but they, they, so, you know, it seems like even to this day, nearly 10 years ago, they've continued innovating like that. And it led us to thinking, like, you know, how, wh what is it that these people bring to the table? That makes them successful because any one of us could piece – well, maybe we couldn't piece together dairy equipment, scrapyard metal, and make brewing equipment. But what it shows is that with very little money in loans from friends and family, they were able to do something that they were passionate about. A little know-how and a lot of elbow grease, Joe. Is that what it is? Is it pure persistence? Is there a mix of luck or genius in there? or All of it, yeah. You think? So I the... think so. I mean – I think persistence is the biggest thing in all of that. I think once people think so just too. live life a little bit, they recognize that. Yeah. That, you know, like Derek Jeter was not like going to automatically be like one of the most prolific and greatest baseball players of all time. Like he worked at it and he, yeah. he had the talent, obviously, but he kept going at it. He did the reps. He did the reps. He got his shots on goal yeah, no, in the I, dating department too, may I add. Oh, he has plenty of reps there. He's married now and it all worked out. Yeah, his, that, the Hall of Fame of relationships, marriage, yeah. if you will. <laughs> Yeah, he's a real Hall of Famer. Uh, <laughs> I, I, know I don't know where that was going. I was going to say something about his herpes. I couldn't, I couldn't put pieces. Does he have herpes? Is that confirmed? Did. Or is that just like Ryan Braun? I don't know. I thought a few of the, uh, this is where we, in. And, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> this is always where someone will mention, um, do, if, do you know that 75% of humans have herpes? I know. There's always some statistic, like, look around the room, folks. Four out of five people have AIDS. <laughs> and you're just going to have to live with it. So you better not be having sex. Um, but no, go back to this. I, I think I agree. I think probably Derek Jeter was born with herpes. No. <laughs> no he I was... don't even know why I said Derek Jeter, honestly. He's either. not like the, the end-all, be-all of like <laughs> hustler. Yeah. But no, he was probably born with some natural gifts. 
Um, whereas I guess you could equate that to like these guys were probably born. You know, they're competent people. They're probably I don't know if Ken Grossman and Paul Camusi are geniuses. Maybe they are, um, but it in their own way. And there's probably some luck. I mean, there's luck to anything. Um, but for the most part, it's just like you said, getting your shots on goal. It seems like it's just like just keeping not yeah, giving come up. back at it. Yeah, and a willingness to learn. That kind of goes to this like torpedo um, technology they built. Like instead of just saying, "Okay, we made it." like either halfway to our goals or to our initial goals we're fucking gravy training from here on out mm-hmm. it seems like they said no i mean let's figure out what's going wrong let's not give up because something went wrong number one and then when it does go wrong figure out how to not do that wrong thing again i think that's all persistence is and this seems like a company that kind of embodies that they yeah it's it's a weird balance of being able to be involved enough to like actually try for something but being like chill enough about it to not freak out if it doesn't work and then come back to do it if this is what you've decided is what you really want to do. Right. Yeah. Because because those two things are usually at odds, like caring about something so much and like putting all your effort into it. Like if that doesn't work out, then you'll be crushed. But like being able to, I guess, have the perspective of like, oh, now I've learned this and this and this about what I just tried. Yeah. I'm going to come back. Yeah. And there is no, I think there's always people think that there's just this point of no return where it didn't work out and we cannot make it work out anymore. Yeah. It's over. My once in a lifetime, I missed the Olympics four years. I'll be too old to do this ever again. Like I had one shot and I blew it. I think most projects or efforts that people undergo, it's exactly what you said. You, the persistence also means recognizing that, yeah, your first try at it probably won't work out. And then you iterate and iterate and iterate. And you maybe find like you find yourself in a different path than you originally set out to do mm-hmm. but yeah that's are we are we saying that Eminem was wrong when he um asserted that what if you had one chance one shot yeah one opportunity would you to grab everything you ever wanted would you do you only have would that there one? be vomit on your sweater spaghetti uh, already grommet <laughs> sweater the, mama well, no that's probably a good point i think that's what people people always view everything like yeah. they view things in I got terms one, of genius yeah, and in terms of like yeah this load. is a reality show where I'm I'm on the voice and if I blow it and Christina Aguilera doesn't turn around I have to go home and kill myself. <laughs> but it's not how it works. Like right. you really just like put in it's 8 so, million reps of that yeah, thing. Yeah. It's and, so easy to feel that way though. That's what people yeah. like I think we all initially feel that way. If something fails like oh god. Why did I ever try that in the first place? Like I'm a failure. Yeah. I'm a and then up. it's just being like, whether it's smart enough or whatever enough to just be like, well, what did I learn? I'm going to come back to it. Yeah. Maybe so, I learned I didn't like that thing. Or Do you have anything in your own life that comes to mind in this uh, this discussion of persistence? Oh, man. I don't know. It's a good question. I, I think it, it starts, I guess in my own life, I could start by saying like you – there's there's a tendency to be paralyzed with the fear that you've just talked about, which is like, there's a risk here where I'm going to put a ton of time in in this thing and be bad. I probably am going to be bad at it the first time mm-hmm. I try to learn this skill or whatever it is I'm doing. Um, and there's a risk that it's going to be a total waste of time, which is A, not true because part of that is learning. And B, like, that's by your own definition. Like, who cares what are, you, are you afraid like everyone else is going to be like, I can't believe they put that time in and it didn't work out. I think for me, like right now, I'm trying to do some like writing and I'm not any good at it. But like part of the process of learning how to do that is to like be bad at it for a long time and yeah. kind of just stick with it. And it's really hard and it sucks. But um, I think with anything that's sort of like a worthwhile pursuit, there's an element of that. What about yourself? 
Yeah. Uh, nothing immediately comes to mind, I guess, other than just like finding a, a career or like a way yeah. to be self-sustaining, uh, working jobs and, and things like that. Yeah. Cause that's the thing. It, if it always feels so easy, like if a job, if you're miserable at a job to just quit and walk away, but like, it's harder to find a way for that to make it work for you in a way yeah. that you can keep doing the things you want to do with having the freedom of money to take care of your basic needs in life. Right. Um, while still doing that job in a, in a way that you're going to keep that job. Like they're not going to fire you. Even if you don't love it, you're finding a way to keep grinding at it. So you can figure out the things you do actually want to do. I think that's been my main, uh, main journey with that. Yeah. We've talked about this on our own time. Like basically quitting a job is one way out. Sometimes you have to, sometimes like this, this job's preventing me from doing whatever it is I want to do with my life. Maybe it's a different job. Maybe it's some sort of creative project, whatever it is. And um, I will or, say, or family. I, I got a lot of shots on goal quitting jobs before I ever <laughs> stopped quitting jobs. Yeah. So I, it was a learning process for me. Well, that even that is. That in yeah. and of itself is a process of learning. Like, yeah. you're not just spinning your wheels every single time. You're like, well, what went wrong this time? And yeah, I, I think the, the biggest thing that people tend to do is like... As humans, we're so risk averse. We just won't do anything that seems like our our minds flash to this is worst case doomsday scenario. If I make a decision and I lose this job or whatever because I want to try to be, I don't know, like in the Peace Corps or something like that. Like that's mm-hmm. what I want to do. Um, I'll never be able to recover. I'd never get a job like this again. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if that's true. I think life just kind of winds its way around and, and you'll finding actively finding whatever it is you want to do seems like the right way to to get there not just like sitting back and hoping the world presents you with the thing that you want yeah. all along yeah because that'll never plucks a golden happen. egg right out of your own ass and gives it to you <laughs> it's not gonna happen yeah and it, it to tie it back to the beer it it certainly seems like this this is what um ken grossman and paul camusi did like literally they started um before they even pieced together that that loan and made a um, a, a brewing company, they, they were just home brewers. So they were just building beer at home and found themselves to be interested in it and then just went for it. And even to this day, unless this is completely hidden in the internet, um, they're not owned by anybody else. So they're completely independent. I feel like we've gone like eight weeks in a row where AB InBev or fucking Miller Coors owns yep, whatever it is we're drinking. Yeah. Sierra Nevada appears to still be independent. They, they're big. They have a, over a 1,000 employees. Um, they, they output uh, 1.2 million barrels of beer a year. But And this appears on the bottle that they have two breweries in the U.S. One is in Mills River, North Carolina, and one is in Chico, California, hometown of one Mr. Aaron Rodgers, mm. quarterback, Green Bay Packers. Heard of him? In Chico, California, that's where it all started. That's where they... That's where those two were homebrewers as well. So they also have never left that place. So they really like, kind of to get to what you were saying, they probably had a ton of opportunities to move and expand in some way or to just like give up. I'm sure it was hard for them to create this empire that they have now um, or even be acquired. And they kind of seemingly ground it out and, mm-hmm. and, and innovated in their own way. I, like there's no way Sierra Nevada just sat down and said these homebrewers – Rented $50,000, and their first batch of beer was perfect and an amazing success, and they immediately started making money. Like, this, and I'm going through here, and uh, 
They started out by distributing beer themselves in the early 80s, struggling with financial and marketing problems. In 1982, the San Francisco Chronicle highlighted the brewery um, and said its beer is sold in prominent restaurants such as Chez Panisse, and that established a bit of a market. So basically what they did is they... Uh, they they got their shots on goal for three four years before an article came out that said, "Hey, this is an interesting beer that's in certain restaurants that they kind of hustled apparently to do," um, and from there they took off. And by 1987, they were uh, in seven states at 12,000 barrels a year. Wow. So, so you never know. You never know the connections moving. that got them into those restaurants in the first place, and that kind of snowballed the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Could have just been persistence, you know, boots on ground, knocking on restaurant doors. Yep. Uh, making sure no one's on the other side of that restaurant door holding a tray of food before you come in. Of <laughs> yep, course, of course. Typical. Corner, corner, uh, uh, hot pan, hot pan, hot pan. And and you know, I think some people would read that paragraph and say, "Oh, well, they got lucky that the San Francisco Chronicle came by and and happened to notice that they were in these restaurants." And yeah, that's true that that specific event happened. But by the fact, but. Due to the nature of again getting the shots on goal and just yeah. like okay let's get now all these restaurants and just make ourselves I and think they say yeah go ahead it, it, well, it's like the opportunity will probably the world will kind of come within your grasp but you need to be like ready to like jump yeah. on the opportunity yeah luck equals preparation plus opportunity or whatever they say exactly yeah. so these people yeah you, shots on goal that's that's the easiest way to put it and mm-hmm. it seems like that's what they did for years and years and then you know at that point they were. Probably, and I'm now projecting, but I'm sure through that four years, they were iterating and learning on their own beer making process. So you can kind of take advantage of like a fledgling business um, that doesn't have a lot of limelight because in that time, you can figure out how to run it and how to make your product better. And then when you are noticed, you probably have something that's better than um, than just giving up or staling out and saying the world's just out to get me. Yeah. I feel like that's a little bit what we're doing on this podcast, even like. I mean, we've had bad, bad episodes. Yeah. And, if we're going to make 100 episodes, there's yeah. going to be some losers in there. <laughs> some deplorables in the bunch. Yeah. You could go back and change, you know, any one of uh, a few of the early ones that I won't listen to myself. Uh, <laughs> I can't stand the sound of my voice anyway. And when it's bad content on top of it, Oof. it's brutal. Uh, rotten content. And it's, hopefully we continue to learn and it's, it's. Yeah, uh, I guess, yeah, that's the point I was trying to make. I guess I didn't get there. We're bad. That's all I have to say. (laughs) But no, I think it's gotten better and better and we're learning more what beers to even try on the show. Yeah. Like just doing that and hearing back from Colcans Nation, hashtag CCN. And and by the way, keep it coming because uh, it's helping us and hopefully we can. Should we open up the mailbag? It's now a good time to open up the mailbag. So we got uh, quite a few reactions from last week's episode, uh, our 21st birthday episode. Um, Our old teacher, Jim Renz, at Renz Jim, uh, tweeted us again, Happy 21st. I spent part of my 21st birthday uh, at Leland and Shirley Pease. Now, I believe that's Patry or Patry, however you prefer. Uh, Hashtag ah or ah <laughs> at Cole Ken's pod. Who, who are Leland and Shirley? Can we uh, can we throw? We divulge that, station? even though they're the answer to all my security questions at my bank accounts. <laughs> no, those are my grandparents. Uh, my my dad's parents. Fantastic. Leland would, and Shirley. Why would Mister Enns be hanging out with them? He and my dad uh, went to school together. Mm. They were, I think, they were in the same very same class. Nice. And uh, yeah, we're good friends growing up. I think they lived somewhat near each other. Or Mister Renz had. Um, an aunt or uncle who lived near where my dad lived, something like that. I, I don't know. But they, they were always doing stuff together, always playing sports together Very and stuff nice. like that. So, yeah, I, I didn't know that story that he was over at uh, my Leland dad's Shirley place. Pease. And, uh, yeah, 
You're Leland discovering and more about your, your the, the fabric of your family tree. Yeah, my uh, lineage. Through cold cans. We also heard from at, if it's not Baroque, and I'll just go mm. by the alias that she puts as her name, which is or K- he. KM. Damn it, I already <laughs> gave, well, I gave away the gender. Um, uh, she says, freaky, the only thing I remember from my 21st birthday is blue moons with orange slices. And... One of many memes oh, really? we've been getting recently. She says, coincidence? I think not with the alien guy with the hair. Uh, that's great. Oh, I didn't even see that mailbag. Yeah, well, that's hey, what a coincidence. It's a mailbag for the listeners. It's a mailbag for you. So keep them coming. Um, we appreciate it. Uh, any ideas that you have for new beers um, or anything else? Any snacks for snack or whack? Damn it. What are we calling it? <laughs> Edible or shedable, baby. We revealed who we stole that from. <laughs> yeah. Um, Astute listeners will know. Keep it coming. Did um, we, we? I think we had a tweet with a suggestion for a beer, did we not? Yes. So um, we got a tweet from at Dalman34 who goes by Brad Paul. Um, Two first names. And he says, uh, what does the guy have to do to send you guys a beer to rank? And he wants us to drink Tailgater by Stillmink out of Green Bay. It's going to be a hard one for us to get. And at Dalman34, sending it to us is going to cost about 60 bucks. <laughs> <laughs> and it's probably illegal. <laughs> yeah, it's also illegal. But hey, whatever persistence you're willing to do, uh, maybe if, when we're home yeah. soon, we can scoop up a couple of those and bring it back for a review. It sounds wonderful. And I even looked it up a little, and it said it incorporates some aspects of a cider into it. It's like a Blondale cider kind of mix. Oh, that doesn't kind of sound mix. wonderful. No? If it's a we're going to have to review it. Yeah, we'll, we'll review it. To me, it sounds appetizing in a certain, okay. uh, at a tailgate, perhaps. Perhaps. <laughs> Would you drink a Sierra Nevada Torpedo Extra IPA at a tailgate? No, How's not this at going a, certainly down? not at a tailgate. It just makes my mouth all funky. I think I'm allergic to hops, and this, you know, has some of them in it. Oh, so you have a reaction in your mouth. Yeah, I can feel it. It's a little itchy, a little like, it's swelling like, up a little bit. <clears throat> it's kind of like drinking a dry wine or something where your your mouth kind of, I don't know, it doesn't just go down. Like something sticks to your tongue. Um, and to me, it's not in a bad way. We've talked a lot about how, some of the citrus beers we've had or, like, the Smirnoff sticks to your tongue, and that's just, like, sugar. Yeah. This I mean, doesn't have that. It's that, like, bitter bite that you kind of grow to grow an appetite for. Like, Yeah, I'm not saying age. it's aspects of the beer sticking in my mouth. I'm saying my mouth is, like, reacting to the hop. Oh, straight up an, an allergic reaction. Yeah, like a slight irritation. Oh, boy. So that's will. not good. It's a torpedo <laughs> to the um, major cities of my mouth. Is what is happening here. Should we uh, analyze the rest of the label here? What do we got? Hey, why don't we take a look at the label here? All right, I'll read the copy. 65 IBU, Torpedo Ale, is a big American IPA, perfectly balanced yet full of flavor and aromas that highlight the complex citrus, pine, and herbal character of whole cone American cops. Hops. American cops. I, I this is a good time to mention this is a 7.2% uh, ABV. Yes. Do not get behind the wheel after a six-pack of 17... Seven, oh, my God. I can't get through an episode. And then once it rains, it pours. 7.2% uh, alcohol by volume. Speaking of the alcohol by volume, does Beer Advocate have anything to say about Sierra Nevada's Torpedo Extra? Indeed, they do. Let's check out the Beer Advocate score. So the community gives us a 92, which is outstanding, with yeah. 11,000 reviews, and the bros give it a 99, world class. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. Here, Holy I'll, shit. We can read a yeah, little bit of the review. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
Here we go. Torpedo is a dry and robust IPA that waves confidently at the double IPA with a ton of hop presence, uh, but remains an American IPA with its artful use of hops that bring big but balanced flavors and subsequent drinkability. Mm. High on this one. High drinkability. Those are my comments in there. Back to the review. We love it. It was released in January 2009, and hopefully it'll be available until the end of days. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, with North Korea with yeah, acting how it is, well, that should... might be sooner than we think. We're going to get one in our own ear hole. <laughs> okay. Wow. I, yeah, I am they're... shocked. They That's... say Sierra Nevada pretty much nailed it with this one. Some say this is now the benchmark for the style. If so, wow. that would be setting it pretty high. Well, sure. I mean, that's by definition of calling it the benchmark. Yeah. Well, it, right. Yeah. Uh, and I do like the taste of this. I'm just I can't do uh I can't do high like heavy IPAs. Yeah. Well, it, I, at the top of the show, I I'm kind of with you on that. A super hoppy beer does give me some irritation as well. Like, I, I guess I can appreciate it, but it, it's not particularly refreshing to me it's just like challenging you know yeah um but this is different i don't know why and this is bill was an extra ipa that everything about it is centered around the hops and i don't know maybe it, it's gone so far on the other side that i'm coming back around to liking it because it i, I enjoy enjoying drinking it? this yeah i wouldn't have many it has very poor sessionability very low, very, very low sessionability. Um, drinkability, though, like I enjoy this. If I was sitting down and like, if I had the right food to pair with this, yeah, something fatty. Which um, they do call out on their website. This food pairs well with lamb, duck, and southwestern cuisine, or a nice aged cheddar. Mm, okay, aged cheddar. Yeah, that's so. It's a sophisticated beer. Mm. Nobody's saying. Uh, Bud Lights pair well with an aged cheddar. I'd eat it with cheddar. Well, I'd eat anything. You'd eat. By the way, you you also called this food before, and then just said you would eat that with cheddar. So I think you're chewing this beer is what you're trying to say. This extra. I think IPA. it's chewing up my liver and uh, <laughs> blood. To compare this to Crikey IPA, which is one of I think the only other IPA we've drank. Yeah, it is our current three, four, five, sixth beer on our rankings. So that has a six point. 6.8% alcohol by volume and an IBU of 53, whereas Sierra Nevada is 7.2 and 65 IBU. So a bit bit more bitter okay. than the Crikey. Okay. I, I, do you I feel can, that? Do you, I don't know I don't if you really remember recall. what I had the, a Crikey IPA, a Crikey IPA recently, actually, um, and considered it, again, an, a very drinkable IPA. At some point, we'll have an IPA on here that I don't consider drinkable, but we have had two so far, and both of them I really like. This one is thick. Like, it's something that, like, yeah, pretty this much is everything. This a good sipping beer. Crikey would be a good example of another one that you wouldn't drink a lot of. Einger Brauweiss, you wouldn't drink a lot of. Other than that, our rankings, you could pretty much suck down a Guzzle dozen some, and yeah. not worry about it. Other than the sugar factor and Schefferhofer and Palisades Pineapple. Yeah, that's true. And Smirnoff. Yeah. But I, yeah, I'm not drilling 12. Or if I'm driving down Torpedo Extra IPAs, I'm not going to feel well. Uh, I'll be very full by the end of it. So does that take us to our rankings, my dear boy? Yeah, let's go to the rankings, Joe. Okay. But before we do, uh-oh, I want to mention fanatics. Hey. <laughs> Folks out there, are you a fanatic of Extra IPAs or are you a fanatic of Cold Cans Podcast? Are you a fanatic Who's of not? sport, MLB? Wrapping up, NBA, 
never too early to start thinking about summer wrapped up, but you know, season's coming. NFL trade mills in full right around the corner. Trade the trade mill. Take me to the trade mill. <laughs> the uh, the NFL right around the corner. Your fantasy football drafts are coming up. Don't go to your fantasy football drafts without some gear. Don't go sober either. And don't go sober. Maybe take a six pack of torpedo IPAs and knock everybody the fuck out. Yeah, they'll be on their ass by the fifth <laughs> round. Or uh, load yourself up from Fanatics. You can add. You can get up to fifty percent off um, if you use the cold cans link at Fanatics today. Go to coldcanspodcast.com slash fanatics. Get up to fifty percent off. Um, go to your local grocer to buy Torpedo Extra IPA by Sierra Nevada and knock your fucking fantasy football team uh, competitors straight out of the draft and straight to the Dairy Bowl. Fanatics would like to remind you that we do not support violence or <laughs> alcohol consumption. Thank you. And that's the first lawyer. time our lawyer got on Mike. He jumped right in front of me. He, like he was blocking a bullet or something because he knew what I was going to say. Edgar DiMartino, <laughs> our lawyer, uh, jumped on Mike like a bull. Um, Edgar, oh. are you a fan of I thought of you extra- were calling me Mike. Jumped on Mike, my <laughs> co-host Mike. Mike Patrick. <laughs> uh, okay, let's get to the rankings. Um, you start this time. Well, hold on. I don't think I can start unless I – let me try to – maybe I'll read all the rankings out. Do we want to give the listeners a place yeah. to like just get in their mind yeah. where the rankings are right now? I th- it's a little counterintuitive, a little something we don't do often, but it's for you guys, the listeners. Mixing it up. We're going to start with number one, the reigning number one, Spotted Cow, followed by Rodenbach Grand Crew, Deschutes Swivelhead Red, Kona Longboard, Blue Moon, Crikey IPA, Rainier, Blatz, Tecate, Palisades Pineapple, Einger Brauweiss, Rolling Rock, Schaffenhofer Hefeweiss and Grapefruit, Molson, Michelob Ultra, Miller 64, Miller Lite, Budweiser, Olympia, Oduls, and Smirnoff Ice. Mm. What quadrant? Need a quadrant. Edgar? <laughs> it's got to be up by Crikey IPA, I think, because I think I liked this one more than Crikey IPA. Are so, you... Are you so here's the thing we have to be careful of with these rankings. I feel like we take... We find a comparable beer with them. We just like Blatz and Tecate, like Miller 64 and Miller Lite, and like currently with Crikey IPA and Torpedo Extra IPA. We find a comparable beer and we just slot them nearby. Are we sure that Crikey IPA is currently slotted in the right place? Because we can atone for our sins now. We can. I actually am very comfortable with Crikey IPA there, but I just wanted to make us aware because we've been kind of, let, let's just say we've been a little fast and loose with our <laughs> rankings recently. No way. This show is all about integrity and consistency. What happened? I think it's the presence of our lawyers here every single week. They're watching us. Our values are under attack, Joe. (laughs) (laughs) Our values and our skies with North Korea lobbing missiles. Hey. All right. So you're going to put it by Crikey IPA? Well, I don't because I don't know why Rainier is below Crikey IPA. What do you mean? Rainier is a very drinkable beer. I think and it, that's been a big part of our analysis so far. Crikey was our How number two. How did Crikey two, IPA get? Oh, my God. I believe. Yeah, because Kona was our one, and then Blue Moon was last week, and the Crikey was our number two. We were talking about locality. We were talking about, uh, you know, moving to a new place. Oh, yeah, because they were from England. Yeah, and they embraced the Ballard. What was that? It crossed the pond. I'm not entirely God sure. God save the queen. 
Uh-huh. Edgar? Tea and crumpets. What agreement did we sign? Um, Downton Abbey. Okay. Crikey IPA from across the pond to Ballard. That got us nostalgic. You want to put it right next to it. I mean, you're already upset that Rainier's behind it, so... Whatever happened to predictability, you know? This it thing's went right out the door with the last president. Oh, you said it. I don't. I don't care. I don't want to go first. You go first for once, so I can pick apart whoa, your whoa, fucking whoa, ranking. Whoa, okay. Whoa. I've always got a T one up there pent up for you to just tear apart. Uh, I don't know about that one. I got a lower. Well, we kind of have there. a host like like play by play color guy. No dynamic between the two. I'm of us. John Madden and Pat Summerall. You don't get You're to have nothing. it all. You're Tony Saragusa <laughs> on the sidelines. Guys, from down here, the angle, what I'm seeing down, I'm not seeing much, to be completely honest. <laughs> but when that fumble got down there, those guys are ripping and tearing and, you know and they're serving. Su- they're, you know, they're, they're, they are sucking. They're pulling. You don't want to see what they're doing in the bottom you of that You don't want to be at the bottom of that pile. <laughs> All right. So, But hold on. What the fuck? Bottom of that pile. I read the, I read the rankings. What did I say? Did I say it wrong? I said it wrong. Okay. I read the rankings. 20 seconds ago. And I tee it up to you. It's been the dynamic. And now I'm Yeah, and then you get to be the wise man on the mountain going, (laughs) I don't think that's correct, Nicholas. Patrick. Because I try to get it in somewhere, and then I got to be like, oh, is he going to approve of this one? Where do I (laughs) slot it? Okay. The goose comes in. Oh, now I don't know. I need you to help me. Usually you put Goose, Bruce, Moose, and Truce in the booth. All right. I think this is ahead of Iyengar Browice, and I think it's below. It's below Kona, so to me, it's somewhere in the. It, there's like a six spot range. I Palisades Pineapple was a mistake. We admit it. We're sorry, Princess of Pineapples. Um, Tecate, I still believe was a mistake. We're sorry, Brooksomatic. Um, Blatz, this is a, I. This is a better beer than Blatz. Blatz has a lot of history, and I enjoy it, but. So then to me, there's like this Blue Moon, Crikey IPA, Rainier range where this could go anywhere. And I could cop out at this point and say, where do you think it should go around there? <laughs> I'm not going <laughs> to fall for that again. Uh, I would put it um, I would put it below Rainier and above Blatz. So I would put it at one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth. The eighth best beer. I don't want to hold it too much against this beer that it's making my mouth do weird things because I had some peanut butter crunch this morning. And that just shredded my mouth. Oh, really? Yeah. That's Why? what crunch cereal does. Shreds your mouth, Why Joe. are you purchasing it anymore? Because I love it. I love the pain. <laughs> You're a masochist. <laughs> when it comes to cereal, I'm a masochist, baby. I'm, I'm life Give it to me, life General Mills. <laughs> Take me straight to the General Mills. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I don't care. That's fine. I want Rainier <laughs> above it. After that whole bullshit... Yeah, it's fine. I don't give a shit. No one cares about the rankings. Oh, hey, listeners, chime in. As we just heard from somebody who's flying off the handles right now. If you care about the rankings, hashtag praise the rankings. If you don't care, more like rankings. Those smell rank. Is that the whole hashtag? Yeah, you got more like rank ings. Those smell like it might take a couple tweets. Yeah, you're gonna have to do the one out of and then leave it open ended. Yeah. Seed it, thread it. And then I'll retweet it, and I'll go, must read thread right here. (laughs) Yeah. 
if you're if you woke up in the morning and the first thing you do is check Twitter, you're gonna have to spend 20 minutes reading this thread, and then before you go, I need to take a shower and go to work. Yeah, I'm gonna say this and have an, a hand pointing down. <laughs> Hundred fire, absolute fire content. Um, okay, so we're gonna slot this in below Rainier, above Blatz. We're comfortable with it. You're not gonna penalize uh, the tingling in your mouth. I'm cool with how they hustled their way through their workflow. Um, you know what I think they would approve of? What, they would, Joe? They would approve of us being here and drinking beer. And getting Bruce to it! The Cold Cans Podcast is recorded in the Overcast Room at Cloud Studios in Seattle, Washington. Visit cloudstudioseattle.com 